Hello and welcome to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. We are so super excited today because today we have another guest on our show. Today it is Suzanne Reed Fine. We have her on for a couple of reasons. Suzanne and I have known each other. We went to school together and we were such great friends in school and have so many fond memories of that. And But, you know, fast forward and today she, well, she was even an artist then, <laughs> but today she's an artist. So she's going to talk a little bit about that. But one of the things is we wanted to talk with people and hopefully on our podcast, you know, we were, we're working to inspire people to change their thinking, but also to really look at, you know, what is your dream? What, what kind of dreams do you have and how do you make those come true? You know, because I think that so much of the time we'll have dreams and people will squash them down and do stuff like that. And oftentimes, and I'm working with some of my clients, I work with some amazing artists, believe it or not. Sometimes, you know, when you got some emotional stuff going on, it's amazing what you can draw. But I have a lot of them and they'll tell me, oh, I want to be an artist, but ah, there's no way artists don't make it. Artists don't do good. And I want you to know, Suzanne, I use you in my in my sessions often because I will tell my clients, I have a friend and you know what? From the time I can remember, she's always drawn doodled. <laughs> you know, there was always, so, Suzanne was always drawing. And I said, and you know, today she's very successful. So Suzanne, I use you because it is an inspiration because I think especially when we talk about art, people will often say, don't be an artist. Don't go to school for art. You got to go and go get a real job. What was that like for you? Yeah, it fortunately, I come from a very loving family that was supportive of my, my art and my creative quirks from the beginning. My friends have always been very supportive of me. So that, I think, really helped a lot. And I think that for us to have a community that supports us, if even if it's one or two people, that really goes a long way in, in what you do. Uh, something just to have that validation that, yeah, you're doing good work or whatever, you know, and, and the people appreciate what you're doing, whether it's doodling or, like you said, taking notes or making a little note, drawing a little picture on it, sending it to somebody, you know, just to make them smile or whatever, and to encourage that and, and feed that desire even to being a, a professional later. So tell us a little bit about your background and stuff like that. Let's start with that so they can get a little idea. Okay, yeah. I come from, I'm a fourth generation artist, painter. My father was really the most instrumental in my artistic career, I think, because he was always encouraging me to try painting or drawing, a lot of drawing. My parents had me in drawing classes and painting classes. My grandmother was a painter, so she would take me with her to painting classes, you know, when I was small. And my mother knew that I was one of those kids that needed to have time by myself to let my creative ideas gel, I guess, and work. And so she knew that I needed to have space of my own, you know, time to just kind of sit and daydream or whatever and draw. So they were always very good about helping me along in that in that aspect. And so in school, I was the one that all the teachers would say, would you, you know, draw a poster for us or mm-hmm. we need something for this and something for that, programs for the band concerts and things like that, which was a lot of fun. And so 
I decided that I would go to school to be a graphic designer and study art. And so I did that. I, I graduated from high school, went to college about 30 miles away because I was a little scared, to be honest, to leave. I grew up, in, as you know, in a very small town. And so I was afraid really to get out of the big world, but there was something pushing me to do that. But so I had to take baby steps, I guess, to, to get there. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it kind of grew from there, going to college and getting a better idea of what I wanted to do with the art. I didn't really feel like I had any other skills. I mean, I was not good at math, so I knew I wasn't going to do anything there. Uh, you know, I, and I thought I could maybe teach, but I couldn't get past the math tests as far as the teaching certifications went. And so I thought, okay, I'll just keep sticking with the art path, and which, you know, really... Um, was probably a good thing. And maybe it was, you know, a higher power or something pushing in that direction. You know, it, it, um, it's funny because I always tell when I'm working with my kiddos too, or just to be in general, oftentimes they'll ask me, well, why did you become a therapist? I said, because I didn't like math. And they just, yeah. they're, they're like, what? I said, I, I'm, they're like, what profession can I have that I don't have to do math? Yeah, it just I helped. It just helped that I, I love what I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Exactly. I just, it worked out that I was able to, I was fortunate to be able to have the opportunities that I did to go to school and find, kind of figure out where I was going to go and what I was going to do with my art and my career. And I knew I always wanted to make pictures, either drawing or eventually painting. I didn't start painting until I was, you know, well out of high school. Mm -hmm. And that happened just by accident. I was drawing and doing a very detailed pen and ink drawing and it was for a client and it was due the next day and it was like two in the morning and I was just finishing up this series of drawings and I dropped the bottle of ink in the middle of this drawing oh, no. and it was really frustrating and so I, my father had given me a couple large canvases and some paint to do something with and I you know set them aside I hadn't done anything with them and because I knew nothing about painting or color. You know, everything was drawing for me. And so when, when this happened, I was just beside myself and I didn't know what to do. So I took these tubes of paint and just started smearing them on the canvas. It was so freeing and cathartic uh, to get all of that out. You know, it was two in the morning, so I didn't want to wake up, you know, my husband, mm -hmm. and, you know, screaming because I spilled the bottle of ink and ruined this drawing that I'd been working on for 10 hours. But that moment of getting that paint on the canvas, even though it looked terrible, it was just that release of emotion and that anger and that frustration on that canvas. And, and it kind of clicked with me right then that, hey, I can be using this to channel emotions. I can be expressive so, in doing it. Even though I was doing it with drawing, with pencil, I just didn't really realize it. Because, okay. so. you know, one of the things is, is you, you talk about a lot, a lot about emotion with your art. Do you find that's kind of your therapy, I guess, is or, you know, because earlier we were talking and, and you, you really said that beautifully. You know, I asked you, what do you do and, you know, about your art and stuff like that. And you kind of explained it in a really cool way. And I told you, remember that because you were going to say it again later, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, my paintings are very colorful and 
large scale. So they're, you know, 30 inches by 40 inches, you know, and up mostly, but they're abstracted. So you can, you can see that there are, are hints of maybe rocks or trees or a person in them, but they aren't as realistic. They don't say, oh, this is a tree. This is a person necessarily. They're more about the emotions and how, if I'm, for instance, in the mountains and I'm inspired by the beautiful blue skies and the yellow trees, I want to express that and I want to put that down on, on canvas because it's so beautiful and so powerful to me. And it it's really filling to my spirit, I guess, is, or to my soul, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And But when I get to the canvas, I have a hard time painting exactly what I saw. I have a hard time putting blue sky with yellow trees. For some reason, it just never came out that way. It would come out as splashes of orange and green and reds or whatever, and very vibrant opposite of what I was visually seeing. And to me, it's more about what I'm feeling the smells or the sights, if there's music, you know, things like that. I want to capture the experience of what was going on. I think that's so cool. And I think, you know, as you're talking about this, you know, because I, I do look at your photos and, you know, the paintings that you've had and and that makes so much more sense now <laughs> because there you can feel emotion in it. And so I think that's interesting because I think, you know, when people look at art, there's such a vast array of art out there. And art just to me is something that's truly amazing because it can convey so much. Mm-hmm. And and each person who sees it will get a different message sometimes. Right. And oftentimes I wonder, you know, when you go to the artist and you say, you know, what were you thinking about when you did that? And the person's like, oh, I didn't, that wasn't at all, or that was exactly, you know, but I mean, I think that's what it is. It's such a great conversation piece but it's also a great way of and I know like my clients use a lot of it as expression it's you know because they have so much emotion and sometimes that emotion they can't say it but they can draw it exactly it's such a powerful tool and even if you're I know people get so caught up in thinking oh I can't draw you know I can't draw a stick person or whatever you know we're born to be creative people And I think at a certain point or a certain age, somewhere along the line, someone said to you, what's that? You can't draw, you know, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time drawing? You know, that's, you know, ridiculous. You're not going to do anything with that. And, you know, so it's not one of those things where somebody's told you, oh, you're not good at that. So then you start to believe that and you quit doing that or you start to question yourself. And if there is a way that we can, keep people from doing that. I work with kids a lot, but I also work with a lot of adults that have had somewhere in their lives, someone has said, you can't paint, you can't draw, you know, whether it's a family member or a teacher or, you know, whoever, and they carry that with them and they believe it. And you don't have to be making anything. If you can just start scribbling you know if you can get that emotion down one of the things that we did i work with the bo bartlett center here in columbus and we before the center was open we would go into the schools into the inner city schools and bring art to the kids that 
you know, probably hadn't been to a museum before. I hadn't really met an artist before. And we have them do an exercise where we give them all a pencil and a piece of paper. And we have them think about different emotions. And we say, now we're going to draw lines. For each emotion, you're going to draw a line. So I want you to, everybody draw a straight line and they do that. And then draw a curved line and they do that. And then they say, okay, think about someone that you love. Is it your mother or grandmother or your best friend? Think about them and then draw a line. And so they do that. And think about when you're sad, what would a line look like? And then we get them to draw something when you're angry. You know, think about somebody, you know, said something to you or you're really, really, really mad and you just want to hit somebody. What do you feel like? And so they're kind of tentatively drawing on there because they don't want to mess up. You know, they want to make sure that they're, you know, doing what we ask them to do. And we take our pencil and we're drawing so hard with this pencil onto this paper that it breaks the pencil point. You know, we're scribbling really hard and pressing down and they're shocked. And then they sit there for a second and then they kind of laugh and they realize, oh, it's okay to do that. It's okay to release that. Mm -hmm. And so then they really, they let go and they're, you know, we've given them permission to get that out and get that down on the paper. And that's a really cool exercise. Really, It's so exciting to see when that, you see that light come on in their eyes when they're like, oh my gosh, I can... I can put this down on paper because you can tell they're they're scared about expressing things or they don't know how to express things, you know. Real quickly, talk about the place you, because you call the, the organization you work with. It's an art center here in Columbus that's... And this is Columbus, uh, Georgia. Columbus, Georgia, yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of Columbuses around. Um, Columbus, Georgia. And we have an artist who grew up here and he's now internationally known. His name is Bo Bartlett. And his art is mostly here in this museum, in this art center. He grew up here. And so he's from here and he wanted to give back to the community and give back to the people in Columbus, mostly or just our area. Because when he was growing up here, he didn't have a lot of opportunities for art or to see art or to make art. He had to go out and find it in the world and go to Italy and and come back. And so he wanted to make sure that it was accessible to everyone. And so they have this center and we have an art outreach. We have several outreach programs. We have one that works with the homeless community going every week to a homeless shelter and everyone can come in. Anyone can come in and paint for a couple of hours and it gives them a safe place off the streets to just create and, and not have to worry about anything. We have a program that Bo goes into the jail, into the prison here, and works with inmates and gets them to learn expression and get that onto a drawing or painting. And then we have the program that works with disabled community, and they work with people that have a hard time maybe holding a pencil. So what else can you do to create art? And then we have the program that works with the kids in the schools. And it's kind of a a help to the teachers who are already stretched to the limit with trying to do all that they have to do for education, that this is a, a creative outlet that we can come in and maybe help. 
oh, uh, wow. with the kid. So, you know, I'm curious, how did you get to Columbus, Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I, when I went to college, I was in class with my professor, Steve Quiller, who is still one of my good friends and, and painters. He, mm-hmm. from who's from there, he suggested that I go to art school. He was, his suggestions to me were to get my degree, my fine arts degree, so I had a, a sturdy background in something just in case to fall back <laughs> on. And um, just in case this art thing doesn't work out. And he said, and then go on to art school and, and fine tune your skills. And so I went to Atlanta to go to this design school and learn graphic design. Kind of a long roundabout story. But while I was there, I got a job working as a receptionist in the hospital. And I met my husband who was there doing his residency. And he's from the South. And so we got married and lived have lived our whole life now 29 years in the south so here i am (laughs) and he works here in in columbus and we we moved down here it's actually it's a smaller city it's a big city but it's you know compared to atlanta it's a, a little smaller city but we're about an hour and a half outside of atlanta so well, yeah. all those years in the South and you don't sound Southern. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to my mother-in-law, I get a little twangy. But I think in talking to you or when I go back to Colorado, I pick up the San Luis Valley accent a little bit again, too. <laughs> Every now and then I'll say something and my daughter will say, what did you say? <laughs> it, it kind of just depends, but yeah. I have to give Sharon a hard time about that sometimes too. <laughs> she says she yeah. says that us from the valley have a yes. we have like a little accent thing. I don't know what she's talking about, but <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I, you know, it's funny because the first time I listened to your podcast, that's the first time I'd heard your voice since we had seen each other in high school all mm-hmm. those years, and I laughed to myself because I thought that's exactly Sharon. I mean, it was <laughs> with your voice, it was your laugh. And it was the accent. It was the valley accent. I could hear it. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you. You know, it just doesn't go away. But because, and you know, one of the other things is is that I think is really cool is you often go back to the valley and you work and you, some of your art is in the valley. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I try to go back about twice a year if I can, just because that's home to me. I still have family there. And my best friend is there. She lives in Creed. So I go to Creed, and it's a small mountain town. Uh, It was a mining town years ago, for people that don't know. But it's starting to be more of an art community. So there's artists who go there to paint and spend the summers. And I go back, and, and I do painting on location there, which are smaller, more realistic Images, snapshots, I guess, of, of what the trees are like that time of year, flowers, things like that. And then I bring those memories back. I do a lot of sketching while I'm there, mostly. And I bring those memories back to my studio and then work from that. So I recall, I can go back and I can pull up those images in my head and put that there on canvas and, and try to replay that. And I almost think that it helps that I'm away from Colorado when I do that because I feel like the paintings maybe are more evocative because I'm reaching for that and I'm trying to remember each detail and each little piece. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Nice. And some of your art is there as well, correct? Yeah. So the so the uh, gallery that I'm in is called the Sea Waters Gallery, and it's in Creed. And they have been up there for 15, 17 some years now. And she's a framer. She actually began in Steve Quiller's gallery working for him, and hmm. she's still his framer. And she wanted to start a gallery of her own. You know, she had a lot of contacts with people that she had met through the years. Students of Steve's, there's a lot of us that are people that have studied with him through the years in the gallery, and now we're kind of branching out a little bit more. We have a couple artists now from Austin that are in there. We have two other people that have signed on to help co-operate the gallery, and they're really, really great. A lot of great ideas, and it's kind of changing. It's evolving through the years. I mean, it started out in her garage in her yeah. house, <laughs> and there was, you know, 10 of us painters in there, and she would have people up by appointment or, or whatever, and, you know, we'd have, once a year, we'd have a party, and people would come from everywhere. I mean, it would just be packed in her garage, you know, or, you know, spilling out onto the, the yard, but it was just amazing. I mean, and it was just so quirky and funny and cool enough that people were just crazy about coming up there and seeing what she had. You know, it was just oh, so nice. out of the normal um, gallery situation. You know, people are so intimidated by galleries, I think, because they think you have to know something about art and you have to be, you know, educated about it. But, but this is a whole different experience. You know, they're very welcoming and galleries if they're good, they will help you and they'll bring you in and, and help you feel comfortable in the setting. And they'll tell you about the art or the artists. And, 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 well. That's a really good point because I do think a lot of people would be intimidated in that kind of situation, but it's good to know that they kind of help you with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, people all the time are saying, Oh, I just don't understand art. I, and they're embarrassed about it. But honestly, Artists will, uh, most, every artist I've ever known is happy to talk to you. They're happy to say, it's okay. Tell me what, you know, tell me what you see in the piece or tell me what your experiences are, you know, with art or whatever. A lot of times the artists themselves are so nervous and or quirky that we don't know how to start a conversation or, <laughs> you know, we're just as nervous as you are. So it's okay to say know. something. I think what's so interesting about artists is we we have artist friends and it's always so fascinating to talk with them and stuff because it's it just that they see art everywhere. They yeah. see something everywhere, which I think is so fascinating. You know, as a therapist, I see things everywhere in people and in situations like that, whereas they see it in everything. And so it's just, it's always these really cool conversations that we get to have with them and Sometimes we just have so much fun with our artist friends. <laughs> really cool yeah. to see their perception. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's really good to, you know, a lot of times you would think that they're that they're mad or they're stuck up or whatever, but they're observing. Everybody's just like, you know, writers, artists, musicians, everybody's just observing, I think, a lot of the times and just taking everything in. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's, that's uh, true. And I think, it, you know, some of the stuff you've said, I think is really interesting because I really love this thing. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, it's really important to give back when you're fortunate to get something, you know, how do you give it back to the 
the community and stuff like that. You know, I mean, one of the things is why we do this podcast is it really is our way of giving back. It's it's sharing ideas and thoughts and, and you know, artists and whoever we're talking to. It's bringing that world to other people. And it's such an amazing thing. And I think that anytime you do stuff, you know, there's always this humbling experience to it as well. I, I tell Christy, we just realized we're in 25 different countries. And I sit there and I'll think, why, who, this person in this little island, why are you listening to us? You know, but it's a humbling thing. And and it's such gratitude that you have for that. And I know for you, your art is like, you know, for people, your art is not just in one place. You're very successful as an artist. This isn't just your side gig, right? (laughs) So talk about your successes as an artist. Uh, Let's see. I, well, I had a list of goals that I started of what I decided would be successful for me. When I remember, I think I was in high school or college and I made this list of what I thought it would mean for me to be successful, how I know I was going to be successful as an artist. And I don't remember a lot of the list, but I do remember that I wanted to be in the American Watercolor Society and the National Watercolor Society, which are two international organizations that have artists from all over the world that are juried into these organizations, which means you do a painting on paper and you submit it to this jury for hopeful entry into these shows or exhibitions. And the one in the American Watercolor Society shows are in New York and the National Watercolor Society shows are in California. And they're very hard to get into. It's, I don't know. It's crazy how competitive these things are, but, and so you can try for years and not get accepted into this. And so after a while, you know, I kept submitting things and submitting things and getting turned down and turned down. Well, that just seemed to really put more of a fire under me to be rejected to some (laughs) of these shows. Um, I don't think I have any of my acceptance letters, but I have all the rejection letters (laughs) just because it made me mad. It was almost <laughs> like somebody was telling me, no, you can't do this. I'm sorry. And so, you know, that just, okay, well, I'm going to do it even more now. So when I finally got into both societies, it took a while, probably 10 years to get into the American and probably another 11 or 12 until I got into the national. But I got what's called signature status, which means you're juried into three shows. So I got that status, which means you go to New York and you're, you get a presentation, you know, of a, a little button for your lapel or whatever. And, but it's mostly just the, the status, knowing that you've made it into this big organization. It's really more exciting for the Bainers, really. <laughs> but the exciting thing about that was, was Steve Quiller, who's been in this painting group for years, was actually there and he was the one that presented me with my certificate in New York. And I had another friend who's from Colorado. She's, she lives in Crested Butte. She was in this particular show as well. And then Sherry came from Creed at the same time. So there was more of us from Colorado in New York at that point than we've ever all been together in, uh, in Colorado together. So it was just really kind of a fun moment for us. Oh, and, um, how cool. Now, so, yeah, cause I have a question for you. Talk yeah. about the painting 
that you did? Yeah, the painting that I did is it's one that I did of my daughter. I actually the it's funny that the watercolor paintings that I do or the acrylic paintings that I do that I do on paper to submit to these shows. They have to be on paper. They can't be on canvas or panel or anything. And that's just one of the requirements. And so I've used both of my daughters as models for these paintings. And I did one of myself as my three paintings. So there was one of me, one of Harper, and one of Cassidy. And the one that I did that got me the the signature status was the one I did of Harper. She had just graduated from high school and she was going off to college. I was excited for her. I was nervous for her. And I started thinking, what haven't I told her? What have I not taught her? Have I given her all of the tools that I could give her as she goes out into the world, you know? And I was kind of having this panic moment. And so I did a drawing of her. I had her sit for me a couple of times and I wanted to give her some sort of a a safety. I wanted to protect her going out into this world. And so the image that came to me was her being wrapped in a blanket as a protection. So I was going to originally do a quilt around her and, you know, pieces of the patchwork quilt, but it just didn't seem right. And so I found kind of a sidebar to that. When I'm overthinking something, it doesn't come to me. I have to let it go and, you know, go do the dishes or vacuum or go for a walk or whatever, go to sleep. And the answer always comes to me when I'm not thinking about it. And so that night I go to sleep and I dream that she's surrounded by trees. Here in the South, we have trees everywhere. There's everything is just green and growing all the time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For cars, everything. It's just, it's crazy. So I thought that would be what she's protected by. So the, the painting is a picture of her. And instead of wearing a cloak of fabric of, of this quilt, she's wearing branches of a tree with the leaves and everything. And she is almost transparent in some of it. So the trees come through and then she comes through and part of it. So it's, it's almost like the film, you know, when we would, take pictures back in the old days when we had uh-huh. film, you know, and you would have a double exposure, which yes. was always an accident, but it was, it was kind of an interesting shot. So that was kind of what I was thinking. It was a double exposure. Kind of I'm going to tell you, I saw that uh, when you posted that, and there's something about that, that just, it's absolutely beautiful. But it is, it's, it's, it's almost like you feel that safety of being not only safety, but for me, it was like being a part of something. So for people, if you, if you, where could people actually see this at? If they wanted to look at your art, where could they go? Uh, Yeah, I don't have that one on my website right now, but I could, I could go back and put those on there just for people to see them. But my art is on my website, which is Suzanne readfine.com okay and we will also post that because your art really is and, and we keep saying one we're gonna have a piece of your art hanging in here because we have another friend who's an artist and we have some of hers in here and so but we'd like to support people too and we like to not only that i think yeah. it just becomes a conversational piece when you're in somebody's house and they say oh what is that about <laughs> yeah you know so there's all that good stuff that goes with it you know but you know i think one of the cool things 
is, you know, if you go back and you think back all those years ago, we won't talk about how many years, people, but all those years ago, (laughs) having that vision of my, I'll, I'll know I'm successful when I reach this goal of being brought into these societies. And, you know, you fast forward and, and that, that hard work and, and just that thing of feeling challenged, you know, I, cause I often talk with people, you know, when you have a goal, you have to take the step. And it's one thing to set it. It's one thing to say, Oh, I want this, but then it's the other thing to take those baby steps in order to reach those goals. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I work with a, a young man He's on the autism spectrum, and but an amazing artist. The stuff he can do, you know, I can't sit there and say, imagine in your head, he doesn't do that. But he can take different pictures and he can put them together. He can make things morph into other things. So he does this amazing work, and, and he really wants to do that. But it's always, but once again, it's his thing of, well, who's going to buy my work? Who's going to, who wants this? And so I think it's one of those things of, and because I keep encouraging him, I tell him, you know, do at least one to two drawings a week. So he's gotten better about following through with that and, and drawing and he's taking art. He takes little art classes. He's an art club. I said, you got to do those things. I said, you got to be involved. And I think that's those baby step things that we're talking about is if you want it. But then I think along the way, you know, when you talked about Quiller being a part of that for you, but and it's finding those mentors, those people who would help. And it sounds like, you know, now you're kind of paying it forward because now you've become the mentor to some of these kiddos and that you work with so it's having the goal then it's kind of the follow-through you say it kind of makes you mad when you're rejected (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it hurts your feelings it stings at first Mm -hmm. and uh so you sit there and you you lick your wounds for a couple days and then you just have to pull yourself up and and get on with it and and then you get mad and you get to work and you you, you start over again what is the so let me ask you this what is the average time like if you were working on a painting what is the average time that that takes you honestly I get asked that quite a bit and it's every painting is different some and you know I've heard people say oh I've done this all my life it's so you know if you're 50 years old it's taken me 50 years to which in a way yeah but I spend a lot of time thinking about paintings before I even put any anything on canvas. I do sketch. I sketch all the time. I draw all the time. Yes. Friday morning sketches. I talk about yeah. that on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is so good. It's great just to go in and sketch and draw whatever and, and you know think about things or don't think about things either way. And then when I get to the canvas part, if it's an image I'm doing, like, say, of a person, I like to have sketches ahead of time. But if I'm doing something more abstract, I may just start putting paint on canvas and just see what happens. You know, either pouring it on there or big brush strokes on there. So it could take five or six hours and mm-hmm. come out the way I, I want it to. Or it can take sometimes, you know, a couple weeks or even a month. And there's times where... I've worked on a painting where I've overworked it and overworked it and overworked it, and it just feels too, I don't know, too much. It doesn't, it doesn't have that life and that liveliness to it anymore. And so I'll turn it around, put it in the corner, and let it think about what it's done and, and come back to it, you know, several months later. So it could, you know, it could pull so, before I come back to it. 
So I'm curious, is there ever been a something you've been drawing and you finally just say, no, it's not going to work and, and it just never gets completed? Yeah, yeah. And there's some of those that I've painted over. So there's layers of various paintings underneath the paint. In fact, I had one painting a couple years ago in a, in a local art show. And it was one that I had probably painted five or six paintings over the top of the original painting on there. So it had a lot of layers on it. It was, it was thick, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, but I didn't have a title for it. And so I was just started thinking and I thought, I'll call it Underneath It All. Because, you know, underneath it all, there's seven other pictures under there. So I I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes I leave them unfinished. And sometimes I come back to them and I think, oh, that wasn't really as bad as I thought. (laughs) That really looks better. You know, with fresh eyes, you come back and look at it and say, oh, hey, that wasn't so bad after all. Absolutely. What inspires your names for your paintings usually? I like song titles. Sometimes I like to read a lot and so I'll see a word that's interesting to me I do the dictionary word of the day and and I'm always learning all these new words and so I write some of those down because I like the way they sound but I also like their definition that goes with it so I have a whole notebook of song of you know all of these different words that I'll kind of pick through if I'm looking for something And I have an old, I found it in an antique store years ago, but it's a thesaurus from the, probably the 1930s. I think it was 1938. And so there's a lot of words in there they've taken out of, you know, modern English dictionary that I think are kind of fun. So, or if I'm painting and a word just pops into my head, I'll write it down on a sticky note. And, and if it's still, I'm thinking of that when the painting is done, then I'll call it that. So, Oh, nice. Okay, how much inspiration? Because you have two dogs, correct? Yes. We have one dog now, yeah. The oh. other one passed a year ago. But yeah, okay. so I have the one, yes. So how much inspiration is the dog for you? Because it seems like... <laughs> she's, you know, she's with me a lot. In fact, she's with me today. And she's, she's at, it's a cooler day here. You know, the wind is blowing, which it never blows here. But it, it's a cool wind. So she's outside now. But she, you know, just her presence being here, you know, when I'm sitting down and I'm frustrated or whatever, or I take a break, she'll come over and kind of sit with me or she'll know that I'm frustrated and so she'll decide that we need to go for a walk. And so we'll go for a walk. I, my studio is down in the historic district. And so she likes to walk around and sniff all the trees and everything. So we do that and I get outside and I get fresh air and you know, get in the trees and the the grasses and stuff. And it it really, that helps a lot tremendously, but just her presence, her calmness, you know, she's much calmer now than she was when she was a puppy, but, but, um, yeah. The struggle is real when there are puppies. We're sitting here, we're constrained. We're holding ours here. No, she finally settled down for a minute. So, and we keep saying, when does she get out of the puppy stage? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so cool for me, you know, to be able to touch base with you. Uh, and because we're going to talk a little bit. We met in school and we developed such a great friendship. And it's something I've always cherished, you know, and I, I'll go back and have memories of some of the stuff we, we did. And what we don't have to talk about because that was before social media and we don't have to. It's not out there for everybody to know. <laughs> you know, there are some advantages to that. <laughs> 
Irish, right? <laughs> I have a fondness for, you know, we're from, uh, the small town we're from is from down North Colorado. And, and I have a fondness for it. What are the memories you have of that as well? Because it's kind of changing a little bit. because It's getting more touristy and stuff like that. But what yeah. for you and how did that help you in, in your success? Because I always tell people, because oftentimes we'll say, oh, God, I hate where I was from. I say, but yeah, but think about what is it that from that time that you get to carry? What What is the positive of it? How did it help you? Because, you know, where yeah. we start at is so relevant to where we're going. Right, right. The town that I grew up in is different than the town it is now. You mm-hmm. know, like it's, yes. it's a touristy now, which it wasn't. You know, before when we were there, it was quiet. You know, we had, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I had a few close friends, which mm-hmm. I think is really more important than, than anything, is having, you know, a few, couple people that you really trust and you know that you can go to them and they can come to you. That if you go for a walk or you go ride bikes or whatever, or you, you know, you see each other all day and you go home and you talk on the phone for 30 minutes, you know, at mm-hmm. home and... So to me, it bothered me at the time when I was there. It bothered me that it was a small town and there wasn't anything really going on. But at the same time, it was also good because it forced me to be more creative with my time. You know, I would go Mm -hmm. for walks or bike ride or whatever or sit outside and stare at the clouds or sketch and draw. You know, if I had social media and all of that, then, you know, would I be sitting on my phone scrolling or, you know, whatever, it would be different. But, you know, there were times in my in my years growing up that I was not happy with situations or things that happened to me that were very traumatic. And so being in a small town, everybody knows everything. And everybody thinks they know everything. And so some of those things are hard. And that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to survive some of those situations. But I had the close friends that I had. And you are one that I I think back so many times that you were there for me and there for so many of us. You just had this way, this approachable way about you that you were open and welcome and caring and you listened and I think a lot of us didn't have people that parents I had parents that I could talk to but I know mm-hmm. several people that didn't have parents they could talk to or their parents were busy and you know and and so it was a good situation to have that I think that's interesting because you know uh, I can I have those memories and you know of us you know, hanging out. And, you know, we talked a little earlier about our friend Toby, too, who he's hanging out with and uh, just how goofy she was. <laughs> yeah. And. and how it was really surreal when she passed and stuff like that. And, yeah. but, you know, when you look back on, you know, I tell people, when you look back on your life, look at those people who had an impact. Because sometimes you don't realize the impact you've had on other people's lives. And so right. I always tell people, take time to make sure when, you know, you know when we speak or the things that we do, that we're careful in the words that we use because we don't know the impact. And, you know, oftentimes if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, it might even be your drawing, you know, your art that inspires somebody that changes something. So your kind of way I do it through therapy, <laughs> you know, I'm a, yeah. I do talk. Yeah. And, but I think art sometimes art in any medium, I think has that same thing where it can inspire people, you know, if they're not, 
if they're in those places where things are, they're kind of down or, or things like that, sometimes they can look at a painting and they can relate to it or they can yeah. see themselves in that painting. And then they look at the next painting that you've drawn and they think, oh my God. So it's like she went from here to here. And if she can go from here to here, then I can go from here to here. So it's such a powerful art is such a powerful, powerful thing for people. I'm always impressed with it. I was so happy when we went to Paris and we got to go to the Louvre. I mean, mm-hmm. that for, you know, we didn't get to see very much of it because, you know, that takes like a week. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> but just even I remember going in there and looking at those things and I, I would think, what were they, you know, what was it like at that time when they were doing that? What is that? You know, I go to that place of the psychology piece of it sometimes <laughs> instead right. of just enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I remember going through there and I remember that each painting, I would have a different emotional experience. And I think that's what art does. And and like I said, I do follow your art and stuff like that. And it's interesting to me because sometimes when you do the aspen trees, it takes me right back to the valley. Yeah. It's that hearing them. Yeah. And, if, and if people, if you haven't been where there's a lot of aspens and driving up it, you can go back into the mountains and where we're from and, and there's all these aspens and the sound of them. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple of those trees in our yard mm-hmm. growing up. I remember. And that them because <laughs> we always wanted to cut them down because they're very invasive. Yes. <laughs> and my mom loved them. So we got to keep the trees because my mom won. But I remember just sitting outside underneath them and listening to the way that the the leaves would hit you know they just danced around and this make this little clicky sound yes. um, and they had eyes on them from where the branches had come off or whatever and they look like eyes and so my brother and I would always imagine that they were soldiers that were watching us or you know whatever when we were kids you know imagining what these trees were and, and uh, just great great imaginations but I had an experience with it, with aspen trees, but Sherry and I had gone on a hike above Creed one summer, or the fall, I guess, and uh, we went into this, we were hiking up this little dirt road, and we came up into this giant grove of aspen, and all of the trees were yellow, and some of them had lost their leaves, and so the whole ground was just complete carpet of yellow leaves. It was just amazing and so we sat there in this quiet so that you could hear the the wind you know breeze above you and there was some crows or rave I guess there were crows flying overhead you know just kind of coasting on those wind breezes with the leaves and these crows calling to each other and it was such a magical moment that that was one that I brought back and put into a painting too but then she said, if you listen to a tree, you can hear it. And so I put my ear up to the tree. And if you hold your breath, because you feel like, you know, oh, it's like holding a seashell to your ear. It's really just, you know, your your own breath. But it, I could hear the tree at the very crown of the tree. You could hear the branches moving, the way it was cracking internally into this tree. And it really was, it was almost like it was breathing, you know, living and breathing and moving and it was, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it very well, but it was just, it was just an amazing well, moment. you're speaking to two people here who we have a thing about trees. Yeah. Mm. So that's why I always appreciate your art with trees. 
I just want you to know how grateful I am that you, you know, I texted you a couple of days ago and said, hey, will you do this? And you said yes right away. And we are so grateful to have you on our show, hopefully to get people who listen and then decide, you know what, maybe I can draw that line and maybe I can draw the line of my sadness or whatever it is. And I can do art as well. You know, if that if we inspire one person, we've done well, exactly. uh, you know, so 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 appreciate this thank you thank so, so much, much for yes thank you we appreciate it once again extreme gratitude for each and every one of our listeners thank you so much we hope that you guys all have an amazing week and we look forward to next week thank Thanks. you so much bye, bye.